Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 19th chapter, 13th chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, Immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the gospel of the Lord. Here again, Paul's words to the Romans, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's always these counterintuitive phrases that every language has, and all of us sort of know them in English, or we recognize them when we hear them. Sometimes they're just counterintuitive to children who don't understand how the world works, but adults get it. Favorite one, of course, is you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. The child says, well, these wonderful eggs are here in whole. Don't crack them. Don't open them up. You're going to be destroying the eggs. Well, you're not going to have a breakfast if you don't do that. Another one is you've got to spend money to make money. People in business understand this. You can't just say, I want to make money, so I'm not going to spend a dime to get there. No. You have to buy the things that Make it possible for you to bring money in. If you're a farmer and you own no tractor, you're not going to be a farmer for very long. You have to spend a little money to buy that tractor to plant the seed and to harvest and so on. There are counterintuitive phrases that we have in English, and they are certainly there in the Bible, God's word, too. We have one such case today in Paul's letter to the Romans. In order to live, you have to die. Christians people that believe in Jesus, people who follow Jesus Christ, we are, according to God's word, also sons of God. Some Bible translations say children of God, but the original word is sons, and I think that you understand that includes all of us when we say sons of God. To be a son of God is a high designation for somebody to have. Think of all the honors and the titles and the distinctions you have in your life. You go ahead and tell me which one comes close to being called a son of God. There's a lot that's entailed in being a son of God. 
You have the forgiveness of your sins. That's with it. To be a member of God's household and family, to call him Father, means to have his merciful pardon for the sake of his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. To be a son of God means you have fellowship with God. You are welcome with him in every aspect of communion with him as one of his creatures. And to be a son of God means that you have this. As we understand that according to being a son in this world, you have an inheritance from God. What is his, he gives to you. You are an heir. And to have this inheritance and being a son, to be an heir is not a, well, perhaps that's true, or pastor said it's true, or I read that in a Bible or a devotional once. I sure hope it's true, but it's to be certain of it, as confident as you are of anything in this life, that it is true. You not might be a son of God, Christians, you are sons of God. And so for that reason... Paul makes this appeal to the Romans and by extension to us too. Don't live like you aren't sons of God. Whenever people would go out on the weekend, I might have used this example before, but it always hits home for me. I remember if I would go out and hang out with my friends on a Friday night, sometimes dad would say, heading out the door, remember who you are. Don't don't be an idiot. (laughs) Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't do anything stupid that is going to bring shame on us. But I remember he also tweaked it, and that was at the recommendation of a friend of his who did this with his kids. Instead of saying, remember who you are, he would say, remember whose you are. That is, remember who you belong to. To me, he was saying it and had these weighted ideas behind it. Remember whose you are. You're an uphoff. That name means something in this community. Remember, from your mom's side, you're a drake. You belong to the Uphoffs and the Drakes. And how you act tonight, things you say, the things you do, will reflect back on the family. Remember whose you are, who you belong to. I remember those Friday nights, those Saturday nights, and the feeling of, well, I don't usually do stupid things, but I'll try not to tonight. don't want to bring shame on that. The admonition from dad had implications on how I lived. And I'm sure it did on other people who heard similar words from their fathers. The same is true, of course, with our heavenly father, with God. Christians are sons of God, which means we belong to God's. Who, who God? Whose are we? We're God. And so we should live like it. Our lives should reflect whose we are. To be God's sons means that we're not sons of something else. It means we're not sons of the world. We don't belong to the world the way we belong to God. Of course, we know we do struggle daily, all of our lives, until we leave this life with the devil and the flesh that we have yet still. And yes, we are certainly pulled toward the world to belong to it and to try sometimes in our mind to think we can belong to both at the same time. Really, in the end, that's not who we are as Christians. We are gods, and so Paul puts it to us. Why continue to live in sin? Why continue to live thinking, saying, doing things 
which grieve our Heavenly Father, the one who says, you are mine, you are my heir. Why live our lives as Christians in a way which would suggest to others around us that death and the things of this world reign in our hearts? If you open up your Bibles now or later at home, you'll see a chapter earlier than our reading today in Romans 7, maybe it's 6, chapter or two earlier, Paul asks and answers a question. He says to the Romans, Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? He doesn't leave it open. He answers right away, By no means. It's like he's saying to the Lutherans, Because you believe in grace and forgiveness, shall you just keep on sinning wantonly, knowing God will forgive it? He says, Don't do that. Don't think that way. It's not because we aren't saved by grace. Of course we are. It's not because our Christian lives are like lives on probation and then one slip up and it's back into the slammer. But rather, he says what he says. He asks the question and answers it because he knows that that's not who we are as sons of God. Heirs of heaven and the eternal, unending fellowship with God do not wallow, do not cling to dying dead, wicked things. And so Paul's appeal, Christians put to death your fleshly body and lusts. Say no to the things in your life which breaks the Lord's commandments and which grieve the Holy Spirit and drive him out in the faith that he brings. Those who do not have the warning that we will finally, if we persist in that, we will die forever body and soul. Best not to go that way. Rather, let us live. Let us live according to the Spirit who witnesses who we truly are. Let us die to our fleshly selves and live to Christ who has redeemed us from the condemnation of the law. For if we do, we have God's promise. For if we suffer in this way, putting to death that fleshly self, then we will with all certainty on the great last day, be glorified with the same Jesus Christ, our Savior, Redeemer, and Friend.